God calls you to, he equips you to do. There is not one thing that God is going to ask you to do in your life and in your heart and in this world that he is not going to give you the ability to do. That is the way he works. Now, he's going to give you some stuff you can't do without him because that's the point. But there's not one thing he calls you to that you can't do and do well and do amazing with God because it's always only Jesus. Welcome to the Intertwined Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Zentz. I am a wife and a mom on a mission. I've got a passion to help women discover practical ways to apply the power of God's word to our everyday stuff. I truly believe that our walks with the Lord should be seamlessly intertwined with our everyday lives. It should affect every move we make and every breath we take. So come on, let's do life together. You've got this, cause he's got you. Hey friends, I am here. <laughs> I am sorry that 2023 has started off so like spotty for me. I can't believe it. I was so consistent every other week, you know, for the first couple years. Gosh, this has been going on over three years with the podcast, which I'm so excited about. I love doing this, but I've been so consistent up until the last few months and it has gotten just crazy. But that's the beauty of, you know, choosing what you do and working it around your life and not working your life around it. So I am thankful to do this. I love to do this. It has just been a season where showing up super regular for the podcast has not been as easy as I would like, but I'm glad you're here. And so this week I am sharing actually a message that I had the privilege of bringing to our church, Rock Harbor Church, Florida, um, on March 12th. And we are talking about living in Jesus. We are looking at Colossians chapter three, like the first half of that chapter. If you've got a Bible or an app where you can pull up your Bible and you're in a place where you can do that, preferably not while you're driving, but I would highly encourage you to do that while you listen to this, because this is literally, you know, a sermon, um, from Sunday morning. And I love Love, love, love the opportunity to do it, but I hope that you will really enjoy this and you will glean some great stuff and that maybe it will open your eyes to some things that you never saw before in this scripture, in this passage, and hopefully it'll light a fire under you, inspire you wherever you are in life to just keep on going and stay hidden in Christ. Love you guys so much. I really hope you enjoy this. Pastor Kevin's right. It's it's such an honor and a privilege to bring the word of God and I love you guys. I love that we are a family here today. And I hope that I can get past the first two verses today. We have been in a time. We have been in a week and in a couple weeks of just some tough stuff. Thank God this world is not our home. But what we're talking about this morning, setting our gaze on heaven how powerful and important is that now? Because in this world, there is no stability. Apart from Christ, there is no true confidence. There is no true peace. There is nothing solid to stand on if our eyes are only focused on the world. We have got to set our eyes on Jesus, on the heavenly things. So thankful for the word of God. Did anybody see Jesus Revolution? 
Let me see. If you got your Bibles, let me see those actual Bibles, physical Bibles. Anybody? All the phones go up. All the lights look like a concert. Um, I just, I loved that movie, you know, when they would get up there to talk and he would raise the word and everybody, all the hippies, all of us all over would raise our word. And this is the word. This is truth. And this is what we're going to open today. And I pray that it is not anything that I say that makes the impact, that I don't stumble over any words or thoughts, because I have all kinds of words and thoughts, but that it may be always only Jesus and only his words, because this is where the true power lies. Maybe something of a weird way that I think and explain will, will connect with you, but above all things, this is the truth. This is the word. This is the power for life right here, and this is where our focus has to be. So we're going to look into that, but let's start. What I want us to understand first is when we go to Colossians chapter 3, it says, since then, a lot of translations say, therefore. And if you ever studied in a really good, I don't know, corny church like a lot of us grew up in, say, what is that therefore, therefore? Okay, when we see therefore in the scripture, we have to ask ourselves, don't just read it, be like, therefore, and go on. What is that therefore, therefore? So he's saying, since then, so we know that Paul's about to make a transition here. He's about to go from where he's been in the scripture, and he's been telling us who our God is, who Christ is, that he is supreme, that it is always only Jesus. And he's been telling the people of Colossae and us today as believers, he's been making the case, this is Christ. He is the Son of God. He is God. So what he's doing here is now he's transitioning. He's told us who Christ is. He's told us why we need to accept and put our faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. So now he's transitioning. He's saying, therefore, since you have been raised with Christ. So now this section, I want everyone to hear me. This section we're headed into right now is literally talking to those who have already accepted Jesus. He's going to give us some stuff to do. And Richard, I'm going to, I, I can't see you, so I'm going to move this. I need to see you. He's, he's going to give us some stuff to do here. But what we have to realize is we cannot go about our lives trying to act like a Christian until we have actually become a Christian. Does that make any sense? Is anybody awake? Do this. I don't care. If, like, just do this. Woo! We've been, yeah, all right. We cannot go through our life trying to do the do if we don't know the who. We cannot go through our life trying to do the do until we know the who. That is probably the weirdest thing I've ever said, but it just came. But it's the truth, guys. We, if you try to do the next part of Colossians 3 before you have accepted Jesus and put your faith in him and realize that there is not one thing I can do on my own to make myself perfect enough to be united with a perfect God, that is not possible. Does anybody in this room, can I get an amen if you are not perfect? Yay, we got lots of amens in here. Do you hear that? Everybody in this room, we know every one of us is not perfect. That is why Jesus came to stand between us, to pay the debt we could not pay. So that instead of trying so hard to be good enough to get to heaven and good enough to get to God, we can stop and say, no, my faith is in Jesus alone. I can't do it. He did it for me. So God, that is my only answer to why I could ever be united and live a new life in you. So Paul's saying, okay, since you've done that, so this is for those who have made that decision. You can make it right now. 
If you're here right now and you're like, I've been on the fence, I haven't really know, I don't really know, right now in your heart, in this moment, you can say, God, I put my faith in you. I don't have all the answers. I don't know how to do it all right. And I don't have to have all the answers. But I put my faith in you. I want to live my life for you. I believe that you died for my sins. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible says in that moment, you are born again. The old is gone, the new has come. So let's get into this new. So Paul's transitioning here. Once our faith is in him and not in ourselves, we can act motivated by love, not act striving to earn love. You do not have to get it right to be made right. That is the power of the true gospel, Jesus Christ. So it's time to live different now that our life is in Christ. We are set free from the power of death for a powerful life. We are set free for a purpose. We are set free from our sin for a powerful life. Not to curl up in the corner and white knuckle it until Jesus comes back. Like, okay, okay, I'm going, so I'm going to hide over here until this is all over with. If you're still here, after you say yes to Jesus, he's got a reason. So how do we walk that out? So let's look at verses 1 and 2 again. Chapter 3, he says, Since you then have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So we see this other therefore, since we have. And if you look back in chapter 2, 11 and 12, that's where he tells us, as you have been circumcised, not by circumcision with human hands. I'm doing this from memory because I haven't found the verse yet. There it is. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith, so this is the, the believer's baptism when you've been raised through your faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead. So therefore, since you have been raised, that's what he's talking about. Set your mind above. So it's time to get focused. Point number one, if you've got your little notes, I don't know if we have the notes, if we have the notes. Point number one, get focused. Set your mind and your heart. So your heart, if you notice, he says set your heart and then he says, set your mind. So your heart is like your longing, your desires, what you, what you really crave, what you really want. And then your mind is like your determination, your ambition, the stuff that you are bound and determined you are going to get, and you're going to do what you got to do to get it. Set both of those aspects of your longing inside of you on heaven, where Christ is seated. Your greatest desire and your deepest confidence should be always, only Jesus. So what do you pursue? If we're setting our minds on something and we're going after it, is it a lower golf handicap? Yeah, I was waiting. Yeah, there you go. I was waiting for my husband to look at me. Is it that bigger fish? Is it the bigger home? Is it the perfect wave? Is it awesome skills on the court? <laughs> Whatever it is, when we set our mind to something, what do we do to go after it? We obsess. We're on YouTube watching like hours and hours of video of how to cut like two strokes off a short game. We are spending money and money and money to get the best and latest equipment or to get our house to look just like that picture on Pinterest, right? We're doing everything, we are craving, we are going after this stuff. We are putting our treasure, our thoughts, our time, our mind to grab that. So the question is, do you pursue the eternal things half as much as we pursue the earthly things? 
Do you have a yearning and a desire to grow closer and understand more and more the power of God, the God of the universe that's on the inside of you? There is nothing wrong with this world and the things that are in it. No, back up, do not tweet that. There are a lot of things wrong with this world. But what I mean is God has displayed his greatness throughout all of creation and going and getting that perfect wave and going and having fun out on the golf course that's great jesus died that we would have and enjoy our life but the point is we have to keep focused and putting our focus in the right place on the right things one commentary said it like this heaven is not only our destination it should be our motivation i like that it's not just where we're headed but it's why we live the way we live it should be why we live the way we live. Setting our minds on heaven doesn't mean that we ignore all the earthly situations and responsibilities. It means we keep them in the proper perspective. It means we see the world and our troubles, but we view them through the hope and the confidence that Christ is king, God is in control, and this world is not our home. If you know you're about to go out on a big vacation, don't you walk a little differently? If you're in the office and troubles come up, you know that tomorrow at 8 a.m. you are getting on that cruise ship or on that airplane. Things don't seem to bother you quite as much because you're like, all right, but I'm out of here. We can walk through life in a way that we still have those bumps in the road, but our confidence is still, I know where I'm going. We, we can deal with this, we've got to deal with this, but I'm on to better things. We can walk through life in that way the world and our problems look different when, differently when we look at them through the lens of our Savior who is victorious and who has already won the victory. I want you guys to see something. One of my favorite things in this whole scripture, it says, I don't know if you caught this, keep your eyes above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Guys, this gets me so excited. Everybody look at me. Christ is seated. Jesus is seated. Back in the, do you know what that means? Back in the day of the temple, the priest never sat down. There were no chairs because the work was never done. Kind of like being a mom and the laundry is never done and you do it and it's got to do it again. And you don't ever sit down because you feed the people and then they got to eat again. It's like, really? And that, okay, yeah, it's making sense now, right? Jesus on the cross, when he paid that price for every single one of us, what was the last thing he said? It is finished. And then the scripture tells us in Hebrews, oh, this is so good. If you look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his power, by his powerful word. And he, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. He sat down. Jesus is not up there wringing his hands nervously, anxious, watching this world like we often do. It's hard not to because we're human and he's God. We've got his spirit in us, but we're also still living in this world and it is hard not to wring our hands. But if we can look first and see, wait a second, my God and my king who is over all and in all and is all, he's sitting down. He is sitting down. If you guys are dog people, you know that a dog can be super crazy, anxious, excited. But if they see their master having that, if you watch Caesar Milan, calm, assertive energy. If the dog sees that, they will calm down more. 
if we can look to the one in control when we see all these things going on around us and see that he is sitting down, we can calm down more. Amen? Do you see that? If we look, our focus is on heaven, where Christ is seated, everything looks different. Everything looks different, and we can walk differently in this world. And I love how C.S. Lewis put this. C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most in the present world were those who thought the most about the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. C.S. Lewis can be, have a, a lot of words. He's very smart, so we have to really read him a few times sometimes. But you get that? When our focus is on heaven, then it becomes our, our motivation to live different in this world. We work from a place not for salvation, but from salvation. All right, chap, uh, verses 3 and 4, let's move along here. You died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. Jesus is coming back. And his fullness of his glory is going to be shown to the whole world. And when he comes back, those of us who have our faith in him, we're going to be shown fully and completely to be transformed into his perfect image. And it's going to be awesome. Right now, we are a spirit. We are a soul. We are a body. We are a spirit. We live in a body. We have a soul. It's like our feelings and our emotions. Our spirit, with our faces in Jesus Christ, has been completely redeemed, made right, and we stand before God covered in the righteousness of Christ. But we do still live in a world that can get us all over the place sometimes. When we set our minds on heaven, because we have died and our life is now hidden in Christ, we are hidden in him. We're not just joined with Jesus. We're, yeah, God and I, we're doing this life together. That's not really how it is. Our life is to be hidden in Christ. We're the only faith in the world who doesn't just learn from, but actually hides inside, and he's in us too. It's like, what? It is incredible. So what I want you to, like, okay, I have a concealed, concealed carry permit. I'm not packing right now, but I could. But the point is, when you have a concealed carry permit, the rule is it's supposed to be concealed. No one's supposed to be able to see what you're carrying, lest you incite a panic. I think that's how it was, was actually spelled out in class. But not even the outline of it. I shouldn't bend over and people be able to see it. Any, no one should be able to see it. It should be fully concealed. That's why it's called a concealed carry. When we are in Christ, this word hidden in Christ is from the Greek word conceal. So I want you to think about a plant. This is our example. If I take this seed and I put this seed beside the soil, is it ever going to produce anything? Ah, sunlight and water. That's exactly where we're going. Did you read my notes? <laughs> so what we're going to do first with this seed is we've got to conceal it. We've got to put it down in the soil. You cannot see this seed at all. When you look at this seed, all you see is what? The soil. When people look at us, may we be so hidden in Christ that all they see is Jesus. Does that make sense? But then once our faith is in Jesus, in order for our faith to grow and our roots to go down deep and the fruit to show to the world, we need water it 
with living water, the word of God, and expose it to the sun, S-O-N. Ah, yeah, you see what we did there? That's the only way for the seed to grow. And then what happens? The fruit is what the world will see of us being in Christ. But Paul is telling us there are some things you need to do. So we're in Christ by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. But once you have decided to do that, now you've got a little bit of work to do here. Let's look at five, or yeah, verses five through nine. We're going to talk about get rid of the old stuff. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with his practices. So again, he says, therefore, because you have accepted him and you have set your mind on him, now this is the next step. Don't get these steps out of order, you will be so frustrated. We have a job to do, but remember we work from our salvation, not for our salvation. Rid yourself, do your part. It's not just, well, this is the way I am. If these things come up in us and these attitudes or these desires or these things that are not honoring to the Lord come up, we got to take them to the Lord, take them captive. we got to take off the old stuff before we try to put on the new. There's actually a, probably a reason that Paul wrote this chapter the way he did. He first says take off, then he says put on. If we go into a dressing room and we're going to try, it's like if I was going to go try on some kind of elegant ball gown because I actually had somewhere in Florida to dress up for, that never happens. Would I leave all of this on before I put the dress on and be like, oh, yeah? No. We have to take off the old stuff in order for the new stuff to fit correctly. We must take off that old nature, those old things, put them to death in order for the things of the Lord to fit us properly. Stop wearing those old clothes. You're not who you used to be if your faith is in Christ. So when once I was pregnant and now I am not. With my daughter, my beautiful daughter, I gained 50 pounds. Five zero. If I then, after losing the weight, kept wearing those clothes, I might look a little silly. I, have, I, hear, I hear all the women going, yeah, but they're comfortable. I know, I know. But you know what? Our old nature sometimes feels comfortable too. But we need to walk in what we're really supposed to be wearing. So it doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't work with our current life anymore. We have to purge that closet. If you've still got that old stuff hanging in your closet, it's time to take that stuff to the dump. And I don't mean donate it to somebody else. Okay? In this first section... These first ones where he talks about lust and immor sexual immorality, these are all sexual like sins that affect the body. And he says, put those things to death. Back in London in the 1600s when they had the plague, they didn't know as much as we do about how germs travel. 
And did you know that when people in the city would die on the streets of the plague, because there were so many poor people living outside of the city, they would literally take the clothing off of the dead bodies, pack them, and donate them to the poor. Exactly. Think about that. But can you imagine when someone got these new clothes that they put on that they were so excited to have, if they found out, oh, by the way, those are plague clothes. What do you think they did? I don't think they, you know, when we get a spider, we get like this, and we take it, we shake it out, we put it back on. I don't think that's what happened. I think they ripped those clothes off and they burned them. They put them to death. That is what Paul is asking us to do here with these things, with these lusts of the flesh, and these things that are these sins against the body, put it to death. And he talks about greed. Greed can be, he says it's idolatry. Because greed can be anything that we are so focused on and wanting so bad that our focus is no longer here, but it's here. It becomes an idol and it takes the place of what only God should be in our lives. He's saying, put that stuff to death. It's time to purge that old stuff hanging in our closets. Get it off. The second list talks a little bit more about things that are more verbal. Slander, malice, anger, rage, lying. So one thing we can realize there is Paul's kind of saying, you know, these are no less offensive to God. But lest we begin to feel self-righteous after we've killed the first list, okay, don't forget about these. Because that's pretty easy to do, right? Because in, in our mind, we're like, well, I'm not lusty and I'm not committing adultery. So, you know, I'm just kind of talking about somebody behind their back because, well, they deserve it. And they're just getting on my nerves. I can't believe they did that to me. Paul's saying, uh-uh, get that stuff off too. Don't think we can slip into a lesser version and still be okay. Rid yourselves of these things. <laughs> and this leads really well into 9 and through 11. I think we need to turn the lights on. I'm like getting sleepy up here. Stay with me, okay? I want you guys to stay with me. I know it's very comfortable and dark and, and yummy in here, but I want us to stay here. I want us to stay focused. We have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Have here there is no Gentile, no Jew, no circumcised, nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So here's what we want to see here. If we have put our faith in Christ, we have taken off the old and put on the new. 2 Corinthians actually tells us the old has gone and the new has come. We are a new creature if we put our faith in Christ. So we're kind of thinking, if that's true, then why do I still mess up all the time? Anybody? Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm sure we're still messing up. All right, put on the new self, which is being renewed. Being renewed. Those are some words right there that I don't want us to miss. And it's in verse 10. Put on the new self, which is being renewed. Did anybody catch that? That's sanctification. That's one of those church and ease words. So sanctification is the process. Salvation is the experience. It's the moment. It's the event. We accept Jesus into our lives. That is that event. But then begins the process of sanctification. The process of becoming more and more like him. The scripture says he makes us more and more into his image but how do we do that? Growing in knowledge of him. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've put off the old and we have put on the new, but we're still in this world and we're still not going to get it right all the time. So that's why we have to get over ourselves. 
give ourselves some grace, receive God's grace, know we're not going to get it right all the time because we're in the process of being renewed. We're in here. And if it's been watered with the word and exposed to the sun, it's going to grow and things are happening. Things are happening. But it's not always easy to see. But I promise it's happening. The more we dig into him, the closer we walk with him, the more he makes us more and more like him. And the more that fruit will begin to show. He calls us and equips us. This is what I want you to know. This is where we take a deep breath. Paul's been giving us some really hard stuff to do. And we may be feeling like lower than dirt right now. What God calls you to, he equips you to do. There is not one thing that God is going to ask you to do in your life and in your heart and in this world that he is not going to give you the ability to do. That is the way he works. Now, he's going to give you some stuff you can't do without him because that's the point. But there's not one thing he calls you to that you can't do and do well and do amazing with God because it's always only Jesus. So remember this seed that's hidden in the soil. Once we water it with the word and we get the proper sun, God can actually do the work of making it grow. He's the only one who controls the results. I can't make it grow. I can water it and I can expose it to sunlight, but I cannot do that piece. That piece, that miraculous, mysterious piece that actually makes it take root. I can't do that. But what I love is God doesn't call us to do that. I want you guys to hear this. I want you to take a deep breath and realize that it's always only Jesus. In Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in us. He's the one responsible for making us have the want to. God has to give us that holy oomph sometimes, right? It's God. It's not something we can summon up. We come to him. He gives us that desire. He gives us that ability. The renewal, where does that renewal come from? That renewal comes from growing in knowledge of him. And just a little sneak peek onto verse 16. It says to let his word dwell richly in your hearts. His word, the word of God, it is alive and it is active. The Bible tells us it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It tells us that what he sends his word out to do, it will accomplish. Because it is a powerful word. Our job is to show up. Our job is to get into word. You get into the word, the word gets into you. God does the work. We show up and we put our faith always only in Jesus. And then the last verse See all people as equal. Let it be love that unites us. We're all one in Christ and we should treat each other accordingly. Agreeing is not a requirement for loving. There are a lot of things being done in the world today in the name of Christ that are not Christ-like. There's a lot of anger. We just talked about that. Paul just said, he just said, put that stuff off. That anger, that malice, that rage, that slander, that talking bad about somebody else. And it's not even always the world. Sometimes we find ourselves talking bad about people we disagree with even in the church. It's put off the, the anger stuff. Let us walk in the unity of love in Christ. Let it be always only Jesus. Because agreeing is not a requirement for loving. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. 
When something is in the scripture and it is in the word of God, thou shalt not, or this is the way you do it, you stand firm. We stand on the word of God. We do not deviate from the centrality of the word of God. But we love, we don't have to like everybody. Liking people is optional. Loving isn't. Let us be united in love. Let us stand in love because that is where the power is because that is the unity of Jesus Christ over all of us. None of this will bring a change in your life if you have not put your faith in Jesus. Like, we can try to do all this, but like I said, don't try to do this without first putting our faith in Jesus. We have to choose to set our mind on the things above. Put to death the things that try to hold us back. Be aggressive with that old stuff. But give yourself grace as you go through this sanctification process, knowing that you will not always get it right. And the people around us will not always get it right. But if we stay plugged into him, and we keep learning more and more of him and his word. We stay in the word. We grow in that knowledge. He will continue to make the needed changes in us. Walking in obedience is not about being a good person. Our obedience is a response to the great work that he has done for us. Our goal is to live a life that points always only to Jesus. God, I just thank you so much for your power and your love, Lord. I thank you that you are in this place. God, just may you be glorified. May your name be praised. May your truth saturate our hearts. God, may it only be your word. Lord, hide us behind your cross and your way. God, may we turn our eyes to Jesus, looking away from anything that would distract looking to you who is the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you, God, that you who began a good work in us, you're the one who will bring it to fruition. You will complete it. God, help us set our gaze and keep it set on you. And if we find that our gaze is off, let us look right back to you. Just get back in line. God, because we want to stay focused on you. We know, Lord, we thank you that when we look to you and then look through our problems, everything looks different. But God, may we set our gaze on the things above. Lord, may we be used to shine a bright light of your love in this community, in hearts and lives. And God, may you richly and fully dwell in the hearts of each and every one of us as your children. Let us go after you. Let us pursue you. Let us just crave more of your word. God, put a passion in the hearts of all of us present here, God, that we will want to be in your word, that we just cannot get enough. God, we can't fake that craving. God, only you can make that happen. Help us show up. Help us have the commitment to say, I'm going to keep growing in knowledge, trusting that he will make it take root. And then, God, we just pray that your spirit will do super abundantly beyond all that we could ever dare, think, hope, or imagine as we put that trust in you. Thank you, God, for the power of your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that it is you and it's not us. Because, God, all we do is going to mess things up. Lord, we just thank you for your power here today. If there is anyone here this morning that you're ready to get off the fence, maybe you haven't really made your decision, but if you need to come and you need to say, yes, I'm stepping out and I'm putting my faith in Jesus, that step is a powerful thing. Because that's putting feet on our faith. That is saying, I am not ashamed. Right here is where I draw the line. I am stepping into this new life. And if there's anyone here today that you've kind of been on that fence, but you're saying, no, I'm done. 
I'm setting my eyes on heaven. I'm looking away from this world and all the troubles. I'm going to stop striving in my own to do what only God can do in me. I give up that struggle. I lay it at your feet, and my faith is in you, Jesus, and you alone. If this morning you need to take that step and you need to say, I'm stepping into this life, I'm stepping into this faith, then when this song plays, I'll be off to the side. Pastor Kevin can be off to the side. I'm sorry, but I know you can. Come forward. If you want to talk to one of us, if you haven't made that decision, or maybe you have made that decision and you want us to celebrate with you in that decision, but you need to take that moment where you can say, this is the place where I stepped out in my faith. Then let that happen right now as this song plays. Come forward if you feel like you need to do that this morning. But I challenge you, don't forget, it's always only Jesus. Hey friend, if you enjoyed this episode and you got some good stuff out of it, there's a few options you have. One, you could click that little subscribe button because let's be honest, who's got time to remember to check back and see if there's a new episode, right? So click that subscribe button and then when a new episode comes up, it will just by the magic of the internet pop up in your Dropbox and it'll be right there for you whenever you're ready. And also, if you would review this podcast, oh my gosh, if you like what you heard, get on there, give it a five-star review. If you didn't like what you heard, just pretend it never happened, okay? <laughs> but if you would do um, a review for me, just take a couple seconds and do that. Not only would I be crazy excited, but also it would just be a great way for us to partner together for you to help this podcast be seen by more women out there. And you could be a part of helping more women discover these practical ways to apply God's word to just everyday stuff. So I would love it, love it, love it if you could help me out in one of those two ways.